0: I was sitting actually like right there a couple of weeks ago worshiping during the service and I had this picture in my head of Christmas trees kind of around the world and I actually went and googled like what are the most famous Christmas trees in the world and so I got a top five list of uh some of the most famous Christmas trees in the world tree number one you probably know this tree this is Rockefeller Center okay this is Rockefeller Center and this is the tree right here it is 69 to 100 feet tall. It's been going on since 1933. And every year there are over 54,000 hashtags about this tree right here. The influencers love this tree. And so there's Rockefeller Center. And then there's a tree. Tree number two is in Mexico City. It is 40 meters high. I have no idea how many feet that is. Like, (laughs) how many feet is 40 meters? I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 tall. It's a big tree right downtown Mexico City, and it's there, and it's just kind of this beautiful tree. Uh, it's really kind of creative and artistic. Tree number three, I had to put one from France in here. This is uh, Strasbourg, France, and uh, it is 30 meters high, but there's actually a Christmas market that they build all around this tree every year for people to go and... Uh, Enjoy that. And then I thought this was really neat. And uh, tree number four is Moscow. And so right here in Moscow, like near Red Square, there's this, even there, there's this massive Christmas tree where people go and celebrate and remember. And then tree number five, this one is in Rio right here. This tree is 278 feet tall. Three million lights. It's the tallest floating tree in the world, according to Guinness Book of World Records. I have no idea what that tree is competing with, but it is massive, one of the biggest trees in the world. But I did this whole list. Do you know what the most famous tree is? What the most well-known, well-sold, well-celebrated tree is? It's Charlie Brown's Christmas tree right here. It's two and a half feet tall. It's got one ornament and one blanket, and that's it. And I think what's so powerful is I was sitting there worshiping a couple of weeks ago. I was thinking, like, I've had conversations with people, and they're like, I'm not quite feeling Christmas this year. I don't really know yet. Like, I'm feeling distant or it doesn't feel the same, that sort of stuff. And I think what happens to us sometimes as we go through life, is once upon a time, our life is Rockefeller Center, and it's like this Christmas tree is amazing. And then as we go through life, life starts to feel like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It feels like, hmm, this Christmas is not the same. I got the scrimpy one, I got the little lot. I look at my neighbor, and they have the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, like they have something going on. But in my life, things are not going the way that they should. And what I want to do this morning is reorient our perspective of Christmas. Because I think the Charlie Brown Christmas tree is actually a powerful metaphor for Christmas. And so I'm going to open up the scriptures, and I have three big ideas that I want to give you to reorient your perspective of Christmas. Idea number one, everyone say number one. Idea number one is you are highly favored. If I took a poll right now, an honest poll, and said, who in here feels highly favored? I bet... I don't know what percentage of the room would raise our hand. I think we'd like, yeah, I'm supposed to, but like, deep down, do I feel highly favored? Is that really what I am? Let's look how Luke 1 describes this. Luke 1 26 says this, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting is this, this might be? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Pastor Ross pointed that out this morning, that like, do not be afraid. Every single angel, the Christmas story, angels are just popping up everywhere. And there's like, ah, it's kind of a little bit scary. And so the angels are always like, hey, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, the angel, since I'm a virgin? You see, what's happening here is this angel comes to Mary, and he says these incredible things. He says, of all human history, Mary, you have been chosen to be the mother of Jesus. He says, you will be that mother, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants. And not only will he reign, and she knew who Jacob was. She knew the whole lineage. That was a big, big deal to her. But he says, not only will he reign over Jacob's descendants, his kingdom will never end. He gives this grand proclamation of what's going to happen in her life. And do you know how she responds? She says, Mr. Angel, I think you missed that day in health class of how babies are made. You don't understand what's happening here. She's troubled. She doesn't know. Verse twenty-nine says, "Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting might this be." You see, sometimes I think we get troubled on what's going on in our own lives, of what's happening here, and I, and I wondered, like, why is Mary so afraid of this angel? Well, she knew. She knew that her uncle Zachariah had run in with an angel that actually left him mute. And so there were I think the angel was powerful there were lots of be reasons to be afraid and so it actually took an act of faith to believe that God was working in her story and I think what I want to say to you this morning is like, you're highly favored. The idea is not like, I'm highly favored, therefore, God's going to give me everything on my Christmas list. I'm highly favored, therefore, that means I'm never going to have money problems again. I'm highly favored, therefore, we have these ideas of what it means to be highly favored. Let me reorient what it actually means, which is you are highly favored, which means God is redeeming you, and he is working in your story, and he has not forgotten about you. That is what highly favored actually means according to the scriptures. You see, this did not mean everything was going to go seamless for Mary. In fact, things are going to get really, really difficult for her. But what the angel is saying is like, no matter what's going on, no matter what circumstance you fa- you're facing, do not forget, Mary, you are highly favored. One chapel, do not forget that this morning, that you are highly favored. I think, I think at the same time, I keep going back to the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, which it's like, we go to our own lives and we're like, ah, Things happen and they distort our view of what's actually happening. I remember this one time <laughs> I shared this actually with our with Pastor Ross and a few others uh, a few weeks ago. But this one time when I was a kid, uh, we had to have these big parties. My both my parents were from Amarillo, Texas, and so all the cousins, aunts, uncles, everyone would get together at my grandpa Corky's house. And me and my cousin Ryan would always get the same Christmas gift. And it was so special. We'd all get together. My grandpa was kind of this legendary guy. He was a hunter, and he was a fisherman. And me and my cousin Ryan, we'd always get the same gift. And so all of a sudden, it was my turn to open my gift. And I opened up Legos, and it was like the Millennium Falcon Legos. And I was so excited. I was like, Merry Christmas to me. This is amazing. And then my cousin Orion opened up his gift, and he got a rifle that my grandpa was going to take him out hunting with. And so I was like, "Kaka, what? I was like, we always get the same thing. And all of a sudden, I realized, like, oh, he got the gift that said, okay, you're of age, and I got the gift. I just got a kid's toy. I got Legos. I was like, what in the world? It's amazing. I still even like Star Wars. It was so scarring. And so it was there, and I was just, I was so sad, I was so upset, and I said, you know, why Why did my cousin get the gun? They're like, ah, we don't think you're responsible enough for a gun yet, Rob. I still have not got a gun, by the way. Uh, then <laughs> like, we don't think you're responsible enough, and I threw my Legos down, and I was so upset, and I stayed in this, like, side room the rest of Christmas until all the rest of my family left, because I was so upset, because I was... Uh, What's so important about this story is one moment ago, I was so excited, but then I had an expectation of how things were supposed to go. That expectation was not met, and everything unraveled. I think some of us right now have these unhealthy expectations, and when they're not met, things are unraveled. And what I couldn't see is what I'd tell you this morning is I would give anything, anything to go back. My grandpa's not here anymore. I'd give anything to have one more Christmas with him one more Christmas with my family all together, but I missed it because I was so selfish and childish in that moment. Don't miss the now. Don't miss what God is doing in your story right now this year. Don't look behind, don't look ahead. What's God doing right now today? You are highly favored. Number two, second thing we have to do if we really believe we're highly favored is this. We have to seek to understand how God is working in your story. Matthew 18, this is Joseph's perspective, says, Matthew 18, or sorry, Matthew 1, verse 18, says this. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he's like, I don't want to uh, this to be shameful for her, but for him, this was a deal breaker. So Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of God, do not be afraid. There's that idea again. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived from her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill, I love verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. You see, Joseph had his story and they were engaged. There, there's some different ideas of like how engagement worked back then, but bottom line is he probably was looking forward to this his whole life. It was probably everything was looking forward to this moment of like, okay, I'm finally going to be married to Mary. I remember when I got engaged to Sarah, all of a sudden, uh, all of our conversations, all of our pictures, we we were having so many conversations of like, wow, we're finally engaged. What is life going to look like now? We are so thrilled. We are so excited about it. We spent so much time planning the future. And I can't imagine Joseph where he's thought for his whole life of how his life was supposed to turn out. And now he's like, my wife's pregnant, what's going on? There were so many dashed hopes, so many difficulties. But I think the moment in this story where things change for Joseph is the angel said to him, this is the fulfillment of a prophecy. You see, we kind of skim by this passage and we're like, oh, that's cool. Joseph knew the prophecy that the angel was talking about. It's one of those things that was probably drilled into him. For all of us, there are things that are like drilled into us that we just know and we can say backwards and forwards. I'm going to give you a few statements, and I'm going to start it, and I want you to finish it, okay? And so I'll do the first one. This is the Pythagorean theorem, all right? So I want you to finish this. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. squared. You know it. You didn't have to study for it. It's in you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Make this wish come true. All I want for Christmas. See, you know. You even know that song. <laughs> you know all these things. They are drilled in your head. There are certain things where communally it's just like we know because they've been hit at us over and over and over again. For Joseph, Isaiah was one of those things. Therefore, this is Isaiah 7-4. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to his son. And I can imagine, Joseph, it clicks whispers along with the angels, and we'll call him Emmanuel. He knew what the angel was talking about. That changed his perspective. And so the thing is, if we believe we are highly favored, we have to decide, okay, God, you're working in my story. What am I supposed to do? What's so interesting about the Christmas story is everyone is given something a little bit different. Joseph has to be faithful and keep on the same course that he's going. The three wise men actually go, and they, have, they see something, and it's like, okay, we got to drop everything in our lives and take a massive journey to go find Jesus. The shepherds have to leave their flock and go and find Jesus. Every single person in the story is given some different way to respond. And so what I think you should be doing this season right now is saying, okay, God, how are you working in my story right now? I was actually just talking to Darren Green this morning, and he told me something really cool that they did at their business, and they were praying about it and wrestling through it, and he said, okay, we're going to do a leap of faith to bring some joy into the world right now. Ask that question of like, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? But what we have to do is you have to act these things out with a perspective of hope and faith, because when fear and worry and those things come right in your sight, that's when you make all the bad decisions. I was, uh actually got to go and go to Trail Lights. Anyone been to Trail Lights before? Trail Lights? And they'll go, yeah, Trail Lights. Okay, so we, there's a picture of us up here. Uh, went to Trail Lights. This is a couple of days ago. We went there, and I was taking pictures of everything. Like, kids are like, Dad, why are you taking pictures? I took a picture of uh, this right here, which is Charlie Brown, the Charlie Brown Christmas thing. So that's Charlie and Linus and Lucy, and Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh, is there for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, there's a whole like magical Christmas thing. It's so nice. <laughs> I literally don't know what he's doing there. Uh, and then, then I saw another thing that really grabbed me, which is this is uh, Little Mermaid, one of uh, a thing. And this actually, I was like, oh, that's cool that Zilker puts this in because this is one of my favorite Christmas stories of all time. That is a story of fear, gone wrong. And so uh, we went and. Pastor Ross and Brent and I, we used to do this Christmas show uh, at New Life for church years ago uh, in Colorado Springs. That's how I got to know those guys. And we do these massive Christmas shows. And one time we're like, we want to do a fun number for the kids. And so we're going to do a Little Mermaid number called like Under the Sea. We might have called it like Under the Tree, but it was just this like nice Christmas number and it's supposed to be really fun. And so it was the final night of our rehearsal. Things were going really, really bad. And it's just like Brent was trying to be there. The orca, we had a 50-piece orchestra there, and it just wasn't working. So Ross had an idea. He was like, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to lay your track down, and that way it'll just be automated, and it'll play seamlessly with the orchestra. And Brent was like, I don't know. If those tracks get off even a little bit, it's going to sound really, really weird because they're on a click, and they're on a timer, and it's just going to sound weird. And Ross was like, trust me, it's going to be fine. So we go, and the song starts, and when the song started, it was beautiful, and Brent actually looked like this. I found this picture right here from my friend. <laughs> I've told this story before, and people are like, is this a real story? I've photo proof that this is a real story. <laughs> Which this is Brent up here kind of just the Christmas crab just singing and he's so happy and fun as the music starts But then some way through halfway through for some reason this track got off sync And then this happened that Brent got really upset and he started to look like this (laughs) And he <laughs> and it was just totally unrailing, and I was the MC of the show, so I was standing there with my buddy, John Egan. We were both on headset mics, and it's was unrailing, and we're like, oh, man, he is bombing out there. We're like, this is a dumpster fire. Like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I was like, Brent must be so embarrassed. I'm so glad it's him out there and not me. What I didn't know is while I was backstage talking into my microphone, it was going into his ears. So he was up there with my voice in his head, just like, like trying to be the ha- go to the happy one again. Go to the back to the happy photo. He's trying to be this guy, just like happy singing along. But all he's hearing is like, this guy is bombing. This is a disaster. <laughs> this is so embarrassing for him. And so he's hearing all these things, and then he finally goes and he gets off the stage. And then I see him and I was like, bro, high five. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he like throws down his crab claws and he's like, I'm never talking to you again. It just like scuttles out. <laughs> I think what was so fun about that story, but what reminds me of something is like when we try to like overly control, make it perfect, this is gonna all go there. Sometimes it goes really, really wrong. We just operate out of fear and control versus faith and like, okay, God, what are you doing in my life? And so what I want you to think about is like, all right, God is working in your story. How are you supposed to respond? I said before, but Joseph was supposed to be faithful. The wise men, they took a bold step of faith. The shepherds, they shared the hope of the manger. And Mary, Mary worshiped. And this is number three, the final big idea that I want for you to get in this message, which is worship is the most powerful response. Worship is the most powerful response. There's something about Christmas music. We love it, but I think there's something really anointed and powerful in it. It's transcendent, it's spiritual. It kind of takes us back to another time. And Mary actually, this idea of like worship in the midst of Christmas, this idea is even seen in Luke 1, where it says this. Mary actually, after an angel says all these things, this is how she responds. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I love that this is how she responds. Remember at first, she is afraid. She is greatly troubled. And so what does she do in that season when she's afraid and greatly troubled? When the angel visits her, she's like, okay, I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to lift my eyes. and I'm going to worship the king. That's what he's called to. And I think sometimes we just gloss over this part of the story, we shepherds and that sort of thing, but I think Mary teaches us so much in how she responds. But it's not just her, actually. I also look at the shepherds as well. Luke 2 says this. Uh, Pastor Ross read that this morning, and you know Luke 2 if you've heard the Christmas story before. One actually interesting thing about Luke 2 is it's in, who's seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special? Have you seen it before? What's so fascinating about it is in that Christmas special, Linus goes and he reads Luke 2. And Luke 2 begins, or the Charlie Brown Christmas special begins in 1965, and it played on the TV for 55 years. It would play on. And I did the math this morning, and it was about 15 million people heard the gospel every single year because of Luke 2. Actually, 45 million to 15 million, depending on the year. Which means over 500 million people heard the gospel through this simple, humble children's special. This guy, Charles Schultz, who was there, he barely got the thing off the ground. There's was, there was a lot of backstory into the Peanuts Christmas special. But that whole, the way it came together was really, really rocky. It barely made it on the air. And they actually told him, they're like, you can't have Luke 2 to be part of this thing. And he's like, no, it's, it's part of the Christmas story. I have to have it there. So he fought for it and put it in. That was his humble, faithful reaction to that story. And now because of that, the gospel has been read over and over again. The good news of Jesus coming in the world. So, with that in mind, let's read Luke 2. It says, Do not be afraid. This is the angel. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a company of the heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angel left them and got into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, verse 17 we forget, when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child. You see, what I love about the manger is it's not just them going and we, the picture, it's on everyone's lawn, it's on your neighbor's lawn of their Mary and Joseph and the shepherds are just there, passive, worshiping Jesus. That's not where the story ends. The shepherds go, they see Jesus for himself, they worship him, and then they go from that manger and they're like, we need to tell everyone about what we have seen and what we have heard. And that's what God has for us. It's not just going and worshiping. It's worshiping and then sharing the good news of what you've seen. I've been watching a lot of Christmas movies with my daughter, with Emma Jane, and we watch watched all different ones. And it seems like in Christmas movies over and over, the plot revolves around this big question, which is, what is the meaning of Christmas? And the kind of characters go and wrestle through it. And they give different responses in different movies. But I think the meaning of Christmas is this. Christmas is the story of God breaking into difficult situations to bring hope and peace. That is the meaning of Christmas. And so I'm very mindful that everyone in here, you all have a different journey. I see your face looking at me right now. And I know each one of you, you've had different things happen in your life. You may have different things happening right now, challenges you are facing. And the meaning of Christmas in your story is God can bring it, break into every single story and bring hope and peace That's the truth of Christmas. This week I got to do something which I haven't done since I was a kid. And I actually got to go Christmas caroling with our neighbors. It was really, really neat. It was our our whole little neighborhood has a little Bible study from just actually churches all around the city. And we all met together and we went Christmas caroling. And we were there and it was pretty powerful because we'd go and we'd knock on a door and someone come through and then we'd start singing. And we were not good. We, did, we do not have a parsley in our neighborhood. And so we were not good. We were not on key. We were kind of all over the place. But we sung our hearts out. And I saw these moms holding on to their kids as their neighbors are singing to them. And the look on their faces, getting a little bit teary-eyed. This, this elderly woman comes, opens the door like, who in the world could this be? And sees carolers on his long singing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And when I was doing that, I was like, this is a picture of what we are called to do. We're not called to just kind of worship in our churches and our houses. We're called to have God work in our lives and take that joy into the world. That is what we're called to do. And so what I want us to do this morning is, band, you can go ahead and come on up here. We're going to sing one of my favorite Christmas songs, which is, What Child Is This? And this Christmas song tells a really, really powerful story because the first part of the song is wrestling through. And and for some of us in our lives, and our stories with this message, you need to wrestle through like, okay, what child is this? What is God saying to me? What is Jesus doing in my life and my story? And so you ask those questions and then you come to a resolve. And that resolve is this, this is Christ the King. And so what I want us to do is, uh, the band's going to play this song. And for the first part, I just want you to sit, and I want you to pray, and I want you to listen. And then when we get to the chorus, whenever you feel led, I want you to stand up. And just like the shepherds did 2,000 years ago, stand up and proclaim, this is Christ the King. Proclaim it in your life. Proclaim it in your story this year. Proclaim it in your 2024, which is like, okay, I don't know how things are going to turn out. But what I know for sure on this Sunday morning, December 17th, one week before Christmas Eve, is Christ is king. And I can bow to him. And I can trust him. And he loves me. And he is redeeming me. So I want to pray. And then I want us to listen and worship. And then at that chorus, at that moment, you stand up. Lord Jesus, we come to you today, your humble servants, Lord. And I'm so mindful of every story in this room, Lord. I'm so mindful that many of us are facing job crises, marriage difficulties, health, school. There's, there's probably a question that every one of us kind of has at the front of our lives that we're worried about and wondering about. And Lord, I pray that we'd be able to push those questions aside and look up and see who you are and how you're working on our lives, Lord. Give us peace, give us hope, give us joy this morning as we worship you. And let us take what you've done in our hearts and let us take it into our homes, into our neighborhoods and into the city, Lord. We love you, we praise you, we worship you. Amen.